I just love them to death, you know? Hey everybody, welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and today I'm going to talk about the case of Miriam Helmick. Miriam was born on January 26 in 1957. She was always a very friendly person, always seemed to be outgoing, made a lot of friends. By the age of 42, she was a mother of two. She had a son and she had a daughter. And she was also married to 46-year-old Jack Calloway Giles Jr. Jack went to the University of North Florida and he was employed with the Aston Johnson, which was a global manufacturer within the paper industry. They had a happy life together. Things would unfortunately take a dark turn for the family on August 29th of 2000 when their daughter Amy was found dead of an apparent overdose. After Amy's death, Jack never really came back from that. He had a really hard time. And after two years, tragedy would strike again. On April 15th, 2002, Miriam woke up early so she could exercise, but then she decided she just wanted to crawl back into bed. When she laid back down, she heard a loud boom. And that's when she saw Jack, who was laying right next to her, had shot himself in the head. She called 911 and attempted CPR with the operator, but he was gone. After all of this devastation of losing her daughter, losing her husband, a friend offered her a new start. Said, come down to Florida. There's an opening at a dance studio for an instructor. And that was right up her alley. She loved to dance. Their son, Chris, chose that he didn't want to go to Colorado. He wanted to stay in Florida. That's what he was familiar with. That's where he wanted to stay. But Miriam was really ready for a new start. So she moved. While teaching there, that's when she would meet 62-year-old Alan Helmick. He was taking ballroom dancing. Alan was also a recent widower. After his 30 years of marriage to Sharon, who passed away from a heart attack on New Year's Eve in 2003, per NBC News. They had been together since they were the age of 14. So he went down into a dark depression. A friend suggested that he take dance lessons. It would be good for him to get out again, go mingle. So he decided to take him up on it. Miriam made Alan feel alive again. They found comfort in each other. He just, he wanted to give her the world. So he spoiled her. And she was willing to take it. Within months, they were living together, and within the year, they were married. He was able to give her the finer things in life. She got the dance studio that she always dreamt of. He got her a 3,200-square-foot home in South Grand Junction for a horse breeding business. They named it Creek Ranch Sport Horse LLC. She wanted to train horses, you know, and she wasn't dancing. On an episode of Charmed to Death, Stephanie was on the episode and she was stating, she was another horse trainer, that Miriam had made a comment once saying that it took her a long time to find Alan because he was the only person with a portfolio big enough to suit her. 
By April of 2008, both investments, the studio and the horse farm, whatever you want to call it, they were both in dire trouble. Neither of them were making any money. His lawyers told him up front not to do this. These were going to be losing businesses. But he thought he could flip it and he really just wanted to make her happy. They're now just at pretty much their two-year wedding anniversary. And he's got to sell the company. On April 30th, 2008, Alan went to go to the title company to get his interest in the company. Miriam went with. After they got the check, they drove off and she pulled into a convenience store. She said she had to pee. He's sitting in the car waiting for her and all of a sudden, the back of his car is on fire. So, I mean, of course, you're going to get the fuck out of there, jump out of the car Luckily, it wasn't a big fire. His gas tank was full. Police found pretty much like a homemade, self-made wick hanging out of his gas tank. Like, how does that even happen? It looked like a wire, but then you had rope kind of like going around it, you know, like picture a candle. The tank in this particular car, and I'm sorry, I don't remember what kind of car it was. But it's obviously older, and that's when the gas tanks were still back by the trunk. Who remembers those? And they're a little suspicious, so police confront Miriam about her disappearing act, and she's like, what? I had to go to the bathroom. Alan said, uh, don't you remember you went to the trunk first? And she's oh yeah, but that was just to change my shoes. Alan would never believe that she was trying to do anything to him. And he tells police, you know, I did see these kids on bikes. They probably just thought it was a prank and did it while I was sitting here. He shrugged it off. It was some childish prank. Let's move on. There was like pretty much no damage done to the car. Six weeks later, Miriam went shopping and she had plans to meet Alan out for lunch. She got to the restaurant, and she waited, and she waited, but he never showed. After waiting for a while, she went straight home. When she walked in the front door, her house was a wreck. Things are everywhere. Drawers are open. It looked as if they'd been robbed. As she got further in the home, there was Alan dead on the floor from what looked like a gunshot wound. When police and detectives get to the house, of course... They need to see what's missing and what's not missing. Couple things jumped out to them. Things that they thought if it was a robbery, it wouldn't be here. Like her jewelry, still sitting right there. There was guns, multiple guns they found. And when they took a closer look at the drawers, they noticed that the ones in the kitchen, they were pulled out almost like identical. Like they were just pulled out to be pulled out. And I don't think anyone's looking for valuables where you keep your spatula. So they definitely thought that it looks staged. So they have to take her into questioning. She's got receipts for the whole day. She's got her trail. Here's where I went shopping. Here's where I went and ate. When they ask her, who do you think did it? Does he have any enemies? And she says it might be Alan Jr., He had been cut out of the will because he had a drug problem. Supposedly it was meth. Alan cut him out mostly to protect him so he doesn't kill himself with it. 
they didn't know. Is this some kind of like revenge killing? Did he have a hand in it? Was this for drug money? Allen was shot with a 25 caliber bullet. And after a little bit of research, they found out that the couple, they actually owned one of those. But that gun was never found. Must have been stolen in the robbery. It's the only one they took. Oh, that was it. Wasn't long after, maybe a couple days, Miriam and her friend were out. And when they got back to her house, there was a greeting card. This greeting card was left at her door. And it was all handwritten. And it said, Alan was first. You're next. Run, run, run. (laughs) She had been telling her friends that she felt as if she was being stalked. And, you know, now this card, it justified that, yeah, she was being stalked. She calls the cops and they take it from her. So, you know, it's evidence now. But they really don't know what to think about this card. Because it's just corny. Really? The barcode that's on the back of the card, that was removed. So whoever did it didn't want where they bought the card to be found. After all this, Miriam went back to Florida. She decided, I'm going to start fresh again. On Charm to Death, Eileen Lee was another friend of hers that hadn't seen her in a long time, but said that when Miriam came over, she wasn't exactly acting like the widow that you would expect when you found your husband lying in a pool of blood at your house. Instead, she wanted to talk about this new dating website that she found. It was for you to connect with wealthy people, people who were looking for companionship. She told Aline that her next man would have to make at least 500000 a year. Wasn't long until she had her eyes on Chuck Kirkpatrick. He was one of the guys on this website looking for companionship. On Charm to Death, he stated that he was really taken back by Miriam because back in the 1990s, he too owned his own dance studio. And he was actually a former dance champion. He liked that she was an instructor. This is something that they could have in common and they could do together. They talked on the phone a bunch of times before they met. They really hit it off. They decided that it was time to meet in person. A few weeks in, while they were out to breakfast, Miriam was telling us, I've just been having a great time. This is great. I'm really enjoying our time together. You know, I wouldn't really be opposed to moving in your place. Chuck was kind of taken back by that because they have had conversations regarding their past. They had spent that whole weekend together. He thought it was a little soon for her to already be out dating after a year that your husband was brutally murdered. She tried to reassure him by stating that they were actually going to get a divorce, but then he was diagnosed with a brain tumor. So instead of leaving him to deal with that himself, she stayed so she could help take care of him. He said that he had given her a hug and, you know, he was very touch that somebody would do that but his spidey senses were still going off something didn't seem right so he told her i'll call you and we'll go from there but he never heard from sharon again he would later learn that sharon walker was really miriam helmick and that she was being investigated for murder 
He asked Detective Sean Wells, how'd she kill her husband? The detective said, which one? Talk about dodging the bullet. <laughs> Could you imagine? Police outsmarted the greeting card. They contacted the manufacturer. And they found that that exact card was sold at a city market that was close to the residence. They went and they watched the tapes. And sure enough, it's Miriam buying the greeting card. When they confronted her with their evidence... She said she did it because she didn't have a choice. She felt that the police weren't taking this seriously. When they looked deeper into her past, that's when they found out about first husband Jack Giles. An autopsy revealed that Jack died when a bullet entered the right side of his head. People close to him say he was left-handed. Also on the 911 call, she's alluding that she's doing CPR. But there was no blood on her when police arrived. She didn't do CPR. This is where it gets really creepy. Colorado police discover that Miriam was the beneficiary for not just her husband's life insurance, but also her daughter's. She blew through all of that man's money. She blew through all the money she received from Jack's life insurance and Amy's life insurance. Six months after Jack's death, the court ordered Miriam to give half of Jack's insurance money to Jack's child from a former relationship. That's why she left Florida and went to Colorado. Per the Denver Post, they said that an arrest affidavit that she searched online for information about various poisons before Alan became ill with a mysterious symptom that kept him mostly bedridden while she drained his bank accounts. Wouldn't let him talk to anybody. Wouldn't let anybody talk to him. Authorities got a call from the life insurance policy that earlier that year of Alan's passing, she contacted the insurance agent and said that she wanted to up his insurance to $2 million. Well, for a policy of that amount, that person has to come sign. Can't just give people $2 million willy-nilly. Authorities believe that Miriam did this because Alan was going to find out that they were in a lot more trouble than he thought. He knew they were in trouble, but they were in like double trouble. She was forging all kinds of checks from his company. Sooner or later, he was going to find out. Lots of secrets. Secrets don't make friends. Remember that? On November 8th, 2008, Colorado authorities arrested Miriam in Florida for the murder of Alan Helmick. During the trial, prosecutors brought up, you know, the forged checks, the car fire... I mean, the fire started almost as soon as she went to the bathroom. And you went and stopped at the trunk? Mm-mm. On this show, Rich Tuttle, who was a detective, he said that many of them at the DA's office had just watched a movie called No Country for Old Men. In that movie, the villain blows up the car and there's a big explosion. So they started thinking, do you think she watched this? Per the Huff Post. The movie was rented via Dish Network just four days before this happened. So now they know someone in the Helmick residence watched this movie four days before the exact same thing happened. 
Except for, I mean, not the exact same thing because it actually worked in the movie. So, I mean, thankfully for Alan, it didn't. Jesus. The state was also able to provide motive for her. She was a gold digger. The gig was up. She spent all the money. She had to get rid of him, not have to deal with the consequences. Next. In December of 2009, a jury found Miriam guilty of first-degree murder. She was sentenced to life plus 108 years. Police really wanted to try her for the death of her first husband, Jack, and her daughter, Amy. There just wasn't enough evidence. Per the Denver Post, they said that between the years of 2002 and 2006, Miriam allegedly stole $100,000 from her father, Francis Morgan, and her stepmother, Frankie. One night, her father confronted her about taking from his bank account, and somebody lit rags, soaked in lighter fluid, and threw it on their back porch and tried to burn their house down. Miriam is a true narcissist because they only think of themselves. While she was in court, she showed no remorse. When they listened to her tapes while she was waiting trial, she really thought she was going to be out and home by Christmas. She was delusional. Can we just talk about the greeting card? (laughs) Are you like, that's the best you could come up with? Alan was first. You're next. Run, run, run. That is horrible. That's something like a middle schooler would come up with. (laughs) It's going to talk like that. She definitely made herself a suspect. I honestly believe if she wouldn't have done that card, she might not have gotten caught. Literally, you just put a target on yourself. I would love to know your thoughts on this one. Leave your comment on YouTube. And while there, make sure you like and subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Leave a five-star review. Head over to Crime Over Cocktails. You can get everything there. You can listen to the episodes. You want to look cute? I got merch for you. You want to help support the show? You love what I'm doing? I appreciate you. All right, you guys, we'll talk crime another time. Bye.